This is the Dogs on the Hill podcast with your host, Reeves Fisakerly. Welcome back to the Dogs on the Hill podcast. <clears throat> I'm your host, Reeves Fisakerly. Today's date is Monday, February 27th, 2023. It's been a while since my last episode. About two weeks, we did a recap of Super Bowl 57 with my friend Sammy Brish. And then I was gone. I was traveling, but I am back now. And I'm ready to tackle some topics and talk about them. A lot has happened in two weeks, so I'm not going to worry about recapping all of that. We're just going to talk about now. So let's start in the NFL. Yes, it is the offseason, but that doesn't mean there isn't news. Uh, it's the biggest sports league in the world, so there will be something to be said about it pretty much every day of the year. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. So the Bears have the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And for some reason, I do not know why this is, but there are analysts, professionals out there who are posing the question, should the Chicago Bears go with Justin Fields or Bryce Young as their quarterback for the 2023 season? Now, Justin Fields, current starter for the Bears, he had a bit of a rocky start last year, and the beginning of this year wasn't so kind to him either. If you look at his current career record, he has five wins and 20 losses, so at surface value, that just doesn't look great. But Justin Fields is phenomenal. Something happened about midway through the season where it just started clicking. The Bears let Justin Fields run the football, which is something he is very, very good at. And it started creating positive momentum. Now, obviously, the Bears did not have a great year. They finished last. They have the first overall pick. But all that to say, if you want to look at a plus side of a season that consisted of three wins, a three-win season, Finish the season on a 10-game losing streak. Not necessarily where you want to be, but let's take some plus sides out of that. You found out Justin Fields is incredible. Now, I say all of that because why on earth are people wondering if the Bears should draft Bryce Young? Okay, I get it. Like, Bryce Young is phenomenal, and, and whoever ends up with him is going to be a very happy franchise. And at this early, early stage in his career, I mean, he hasn't even been drafted yet. I think he will be somebody who is in the league for a while. I think we're starting to see a change in Alabama quarterbacks. The narrative at Alabama was they can't produce quarterbacks. But recently, we've had Jalen Hurts, who just played in the Super Bowl, Tua Tagovailoa, who is now, well, you know, he's had some injuries. But other than that, this year was a really big turning point for him. And Mac Jones is only in his, his only, he's only played two years. He had a great first year, rocky last year. We can attribute that to a lot of different things. If you ask me, it's the lack of an offensive coordinator, so hopefully things will change. I think Bryce Young is going to continue in this recent path of good Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. But why would the Bears take him? For me, this is a no-brainer. No, you don't take Bryce Young. So what do you do with your first overall pick? I don't know. Draft literally any other position, considering that, I mean, the Bears roster is just not deep at all. Or, the more popular theory, you just trade your pick. 
It's the first overall pick in the draft. Somebody's going to want it if you're not going to use it. I don't know who that team is going to be. One of the popular theories that I'm seeing pop up now is that the Bears trade that pick to the Colts. The Colts currently have the fourth overall pick. And then the Colts can use that to draft a Bryce Young because their quarterback situation is just an absolute mess, has been ever since Andrew Luck retired. Why would you draft Bryce Young? And on top of that, if you draft Bryce Young, that essentially means you're trading Justin Fields. And are you really going to give up on him after two years? He's played incredible this past year. He's played two years in the league, and he finally found his footing in the middle of the year this year. So he is the last person to blame for the Bears not winning games, if you ask me. And I don't think that the answer to all of the Bears' problems is Bryce Young. And that's not a diss at Bryce Young. It's just you have a quarterback. That's not what you need to fix. You need to fix pretty much everything else. If I'm the Bears, I'm trading that pick because there's a lot of value you can get for that. You could probably get... I don't know, two first round picks in this current draft in exchange for it. Or let's say the Bears trade with the Colts. They would just like swap picks, maybe get a first for next year, get some additional picks in this year's draft or next year. I don't know. The first overall pick has a lot of value in it. Teams will pay a lot for it. I mean, just look what the 49ers did when they drafted Trey Lance a couple years ago. They traded like three first round picks in order to get up into that third overall spot. And that's the third overall pick. So the first will go for a lot. But if I'm the Bears, I'm keeping Justin Fields and that first overall pick, I'm probably trading it. But the draft is in April. It is the end of February. We shall see what happens as that date approaches nearer. You can't talk about quarterbacks without talking about Aaron Rodgers. In the past couple of years, Aaron Rodgers really, really likes to be in the headlines. He likes the attention, and we keep giving it to him. Nonetheless, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from this dark room of solitude that he said he was going in, and we haven't really heard much, which is surprising. But if you're the Packers, what do you do with Aaron Rodgers? What do you do? He can come back next year. And you owe him $53 million guaranteed. It's the last year in his three-year deal that he signed. Or you could trade him. But he can't just walk. He can't leave on his own. He, if Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Packers next year, the Packers have to trade him somewhere. And that could certainly make things difficult because that's a $53 million guaranteed payout. That's a lot of money to move for a quarterback in his late 30s. Let's, let's pretend I'm the general manager of these teams again. I just talked about the Bears. Let's, let's pretend I'm in charge of the Packers. I'm moving on from Aaron Rodgers at this point. I get it. Aaron Rodgers won you a Super Bowl. He's still very, very talented. I don't know if you want to say he's in his prime, but he did win back-to-back -back MVPs in 2020 and 2021, which is very recent. He had a pretty bad year last this past season. But a bad year for Aaron Rodgers is still a pretty solid year for anyone. Having said all of that, I just got to think this whole situation has been a headache for the Packers. You drafted Jordan Love. That's got to be, what, five years ago now? He's been sitting on the bench waiting for his chance. And Aaron Rodgers, pretty much ever since he signed this extension, has been doing the will I, won't I? Will I come back? Will I not come back? 
Last year, he went on vacation for a week just randomly in the middle of the summer. This year, he just went into a dark room somewhere in Oregon for four days, apparently. And he keeps doing the, well, maybe I'll come back. Maybe I don't want to come back. It sounds like he wants to play next year, but is it with the Packers? I don't know. He said several things publicly. I've heard he's content with retirement. I've heard unhappiness with Green Bay. I've heard I don't want to play anywhere but Green Bay. So I really don't know what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. The only person who knows what Aaron Rodgers is thinking is Aaron Rodgers. And frankly, I don't even know if he knows what he's thinking. But if I'm the Packers, I'm moving on. This has been such a headache for so long. And I understand that probably just based off of skill set alone and like individual statistics, he's probably the best quarterback of all time. And if not, he's definitely one of them. But he just doesn't have the Super Bowl rings. He has one, which is fine, which is great. It's a lot more than what other people, than a lot of other people can say. There's just hasn't been much sense. There's been a lot of playoff appearances, but they can't get to the Super Bowl. And I think it's just time to move on. Okay, it's been a great run. You're one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You won us a Super Bowl. But we got this guy, Jordan Love, who we've been standing by. We drafted him like five years ago. He's stuck by us. We've stuck by him. He's shown progression. He really has improved. And let's just give him a shot. Let him be the starter. Trade Aaron Rodgers away. Let him play his final year in his contract somewhere. I don't know. I've heard the Jets. I've heard the Raiders. Doesn't matter. Let him go somewhere and play. If he wins another Super Bowl, great. If he doesn't, oh well. And just see what you got in this Jordan Love kid. If it goes great, great. I'm not saying that's your solution, but you've got something. And if it doesn't go well, well, it might be time for a rebuild anyway. Packers were in a really bad spot earlier in the season. There was a point in the year where they were 3-6, and six, and then they just kind of salvaged their season at the end. They hit a four-game win streak, but they still missed the playoffs. I don't think this Packers team is built to win a Super Bowl. If you're trying to hold on to Aaron Rodgers to contend, you're not contending with Aaron Rodgers. So just let him go. Lamar Jackson. This has been an interesting situation, talking about quarterbacks. This guy's been trying to set the market, or not necessarily set the market. He's trying to get paid. And Lamar should get paid. He's definitely, from a skill set perspective, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. In my opinion, he completely revolutionized this quarterback position. He's the guy, in my opinion, he's the guy most recently who has said quarterbacks can run the football. Yes, we had Michael Vick in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But this end of the 2010s, beginning of 2020s, Lamar Jackson is the quarterback who can run the football and has inspired other quarterbacks to start running the football. Lamar needs to get paid. I understand $250 million plus guaranteed is a lot, a lot of money. And I understand the Ravens' hesitation to not pay him. I mean, he's been injured. This year missed a pretty big chunk in the latter half of the season. Had some injuries last year. Lamar Jackson currently only has one win in the playoffs, and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. And if you can't win in the playoffs, you can't win a Super Bowl. I mean, this decision is entirely up to Ravens management. And this is a situation where I definitely see both sides, but it's confusing to me as to why it's been taking so long. I just spoke on how the Ravens may be hesitant given Lamar's injury history. But remove Lamar Jackson from the Ravens, what is your offense? You don't have one. Lamar Jackson is the Ravens' offense. 
Without Lamar Jackson, you have no offense. And yes, I argue defense wins championships, but you still need an offense. You need to score points. Tyler Huntley, have nothing bad to say about him. But Tyler Huntley is not Lamar Jackson. And that's not a bad thing. You don't have to be Lamar Jackson. But the way this Ravens team is currently built, you need Lamar Jackson. This supporting cast is not one of the best in the leagues when you have teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the Buccaneers had a bad year, but that cast is still generally considered a very good one. The Ravens either need to pay Lamar what he wants and keep him, or part ways with Lamar and completely restructure this entire team. It's not a pretty situation for Baltimore. I don't know how damaged this relationship is. It's a shame. It's, it's that time. You don't have to rebuild. You just got to pay Lamar. So that's what they got to decide. And I'm really surprised that it's taken this long for them to make that decision. We still don't know what they're going to do. Will the Los Angeles Lakers make the NBA playoffs this year? That is a question that is going around today. The Lakers are currently 29-32. and 32. Not a great record. They are fifth in the Pacific Division, which overall in the West puts them at 12th. They are 13 and a half games back behind the Denver Nuggets in first, but they're only one game behind the New Orleans Pelicans, who are in 10th. And the way the NBA playoffs works, the first six are guaranteed locks, seven through 10 uh, play in a play-in tournament, and the two teams that come out of that make the playoffs so that it's eight on each side. We're hearing about the new Los Angeles Lakers. There's been some shifting. There's been some shifting around with players. Russell Will. Russell Westbrook is no longer there. He is currently still in L.A., but with a different team. He's on the Clippers. And LeBron James is currently listed as day-to-day with an injury to his right ankle. Right now, having played 61 games, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. And if they do, I don't think they're going to be much of a threat. So just going down the Western Conference standings, Denver. Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Clippers, Dallas, Golden State, Utah, Minnesota, New Orleans. That's the top 10. And the Lakers are still the Lakers still have Portland above them in the standings. Theoretically, it's not hard to jump into the playoff tournament. Like I said, they're only one game back of New Orleans to be in it. The Lakers are on a three-game win streak, which is good, but one could argue that those three games, those three teams that they played against, are not really great opponents. February 15th, 120-102, win at home against New Orleans. February 23rd, 124-111, win at home against Golden State. Yesterday, February 26th, 111-108 win at Dallas. Tomorrow, they play at Memphis, March 1st at Oklahoma City, March 3rd home against Minnesota. I think that will be a good stretch for us to to determine whether or not the Lakers can be a threat in the playoffs, if they can even make the playoffs. The Grizzlies, second in the West right now. The Thunder, not that great. They're behind the Lakers in the standing. 
And then the Timberwolves are nine who are currently in the playoff. Uh, they're in the play-in round. I just don't feel very confident about this Lakers team. This team, I don't think is built for a playoff run. I'd like to be wrong. I'd like to see LeBron back in the playoff. And LeBron has said he doesn't want to go somewhere else to try to win a title. But he also doesn't want to miss the playoffs for the second year in a row. So I don't know what to tell him about that. I just think this year is not a great year for the Lakers. It just it started off very poorly. They went 0-5 to start the season, picked up two wins, and then lost five more in a row. So they sat at 2-10 and in mid-November before finally hitting a win streak of three. And then it's just been win, loss, win, loss, two wins, one loss, three losses. There's another four-game losing streak at the end of December. They started this month, February, with three lose, with three losses. I just think this team is very streaky, which it can be good. It's always great to go on win streaks, but it's very bad to go on losing streaks. That's incredibly obvious. You didn't need me to tell you that. With the season ending on April 9th, I just don't think this is a team that's going to be able to pick itself to put itself together and go on a tear and win. It's all about how you finish the season. So it's very doable to go on a winning streak at the end, put yourself in the playoff picture, and then whatever happens, happens. When the St. Louis Blues in 2019, switching to a different sport to give you an example, when they won that championship, they were dead last in the league in January and then just went on this absolute tear of winning streaks, put themselves in a good position, third seed in their division, and then just won the Stanley Cup. So it's all about how you finish the season. I know I've been saying I don't think the Lakers can do it, but that doesn't mean it's not in the realm of possibility. Not very many people thought the Blues were going to make the playoffs when they were, again, dead last in January. For me, when I see this question, are the Lakers going to be a threat in the playoffs? First, they have to make the playoffs. I don't think they will. It's possible. We just talked about that. But even if they do, I don't think they can be. I just think there's so many teams better than them right now. And even if they go on a run they make the finals, you've got to face either Boston, Milwaukee, or Philadelphia in the East, who are just, I think, three of the best teams in the league right now. I mean, obviously, they're in the top of the conference, but they're those are some really scary teams, and I don't think the Lakers are built to face them. So if LeBron wants to go on another title run, but he doesn't want to leave LA, I don't know what to tell him other than continue to do your best to inspire these guys and just take it one day at a time. Just Don't worry about where you got to be on April 9th. Just worry about where you got to be on February 27th and then February 28th and then March 1st. Take it one day at a time. Hopefully it works out for you. He knows that. He's the NBA. He's the four-time NBA champion, one of the best basketball players of all time. He doesn't need me to tell him that, but that's what I got to say. Closing off today with our dog of the day segment. And this guy was the dog of the day before, and he's going to be the dog of the day again. Damian Lillard. What a year Damian Lillard is having. Last night against the Rockets, the Trailblazers won 131 to 114. And Damian Lillard scored 71 points. That is phenomenal. I don't even know what to say to describe that. 71 points. He went 22 for 38 on just 
field goals, scored 13 three-pointers, and made all of his free throws, 14 for 14. That's how you do it. Free throws, that's how you win a game, scoring free throws. And that's also, as Damian Lillard has shown us, how you score a heck of a lot of points. That 71 points is incredible. Only eight players in the history of the NBA have scored 70-plus points in a single game. Damian Lillard joins an exclusive club that has players such as Wilt Chamberlain and Kobe Bryant, and the 71-point game has him tied eighth all-time for most points scored in a game. That It's just wild. That's I don't, I don't know what to say. 71 points in one game. And if that's not impressive enough, what really just wows me about that is when you break that down, 14 for 14 on free throws and 13 three-pointers. 13. The current record for the most three-pointers ever scored in a game is 14. And that was set by Clay Thompson in 2018. I'm going to just put the hammer down and stop myself from dozing off in this just all that I feel for Damian Lillard. But that was incredible. Absolutely phenomenal. And I think we should all just appreciate Damian Lillard for the absolute dog that he is. Congratulations, Damian Lillard. I hope the Trailblazers can go on a stretch and make the playoffs because this man, this man needs a ring. I, I want Damian Lillard to win a ring. He's incredible. He's had an amazing year. They're currently one spot out of the play-in tournament. They're 13 games back of first, half a game back of being in the playoff tournament, two games back of a lock. I hope the, I hope the Blazers can go on a tear because Damian Lillard is killing it this year, and I want to see him go on a run. I really do. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Dogs on the Hill podcast. But we're back. Dogs on the Hill podcast, end of February. Have an absolutely great day or night whenever you're listening to this podcast. And I hope to have you back next time.